The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. What's up guys? What's popping? It's Friday, May 7th, episode 129. And today I have Ilya. He's the co-founder of Near Protocol. Near is an open source platform that accelerates the development of decentralized applications. We go into a whole bunch of detail on what that means, your ability to move assets from Ethereum to Near, developer benefits, user benefits, you know, why Near is just a, you know, solid protocol. So I think you guys will really enjoy the, the depth on this episode. Anyways, with that said, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, Near Protocol, Ilya himself, and so much more. Enjoy. Ilya, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brendan. I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. Very good. Happy to have you on. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm curious, and I'm sure everyone that'll be listening to the episode will be curious too, like who you are you know, how you kind of got into the space, why, why you're in Shanghai and give us a little bit of detail and background. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm originally from Ukraine, um, have been like engineer by training, uh, have moved to US about 10 years ago, uh, and worked in machine learning, uh, kind of all in all, uh, doing Google mm-hmm. research, led a team there, and you know, if you if you guys are using Google.com and asking questions, some of my some of the work I've done answers that questions. <laughs> so really trying like was trying to turn text mm-hmm. into knowledge and answers. And uh, uh, at some point, um, kind of Google, from my perspective, kind of from a company which you know had this like not be evil ideals have been becoming more and more. I guess like flexible with this idea <laughs> at the same time like it's a really big company it's moving really slow so uh, i was excited to kind of take some of the research we've done and turn it into something outside and so we started a company called uh, near ai back in the day which was really trying to teach machines to program and so that actually how we got into blockchain um, was my co-founder because we built a crowdsourcing platform which was really uh, getting people around the world to uh, kind of do some small tasks to teach machines to code, to give us some data, and we were paying them. And it was actually a huge pain Mm -hmm. to pay people in China, Russia, and Ukraine, and Cuba, uh, which kind of were participating. And so we started looking at blockchain as like, you know, the payment system for the world, right? Um, 
And so this is 2018, like uh, kind mm-hmm. of uh, April-ish and May. And we were really surprised to see that, like uh, how kind of from our perspective, underdeveloped the infrastructure was back then. So even back then, right, I, like that was kind of post kitty stuff. The tasks we were doing, like if we wanted to use Ethereum, we would pay like 30 cents per task and we were paying 15 cents like two people. So like the fee was higher than what we were paying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, now it's like $30 for the same thing to be clear. <laughs> so the we were, we were kind of stunned by that. We were right. stunned by like, yeah, lack of scalability, lack of like even user, uh, like thinking from a user perspective, like how to make it really friendly for new people who coming in. And so that's really how we started. We're like, hey, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we focus on kind of usability and part of the usability is really like cheap, like scalable and, and cheap, right? Kind of underneath. So users don't need to think about like, what is this? And, and to be, to be clear, like developers also, you know, this is a big problem for them. So we started with that. Uh, so my co-founder, Alex, mm-hmm. he's, uh, uh, he was working on a sharded database company before called MemSQL. And so he's bringing like, and, and some of our kind of early team brings a experience of building like sharded systems and uh, kind of that's our belief in general that, you know, we do need uh, sharding to scale to for mass adoption versus just uh, kind of putting bigger machine or putting kind of more different chains. And uh, at the end, pretty much, yeah, we, we started near uh, kind of with this goal of like building really robust infrastructure and developer platform. But as we, I think, like got gotten deeper into crypto over time, we realized a lot of it is more about enabling people, right, to control their kind of money, data governance and really going through creators, right? So mm-hmm. our focus right now in, in for the most part is how do we make creators to be really successful in the crypto world, right? And so infrastructure, you know, developer tools, mm-hmm. as well as all the other things like user experience pieces, all this fits to kind of how do we make creators successful? And creators span from developers to artists, to musicians, to, you know, writers and stuff like this. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, Shanghai wise, uh, I think, uh, we, we have a pretty big uh, Chinese community. I was actually coming to China in, in, 2020, like uh, in March, and uh, it kind of uh, ended up being like mm-hmm. the 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 whole the whole traveling stopped. So I kind of got got voluntarily stuck, I would say here. So been here since then. Yeah, what, was it mostly work related that you moved to Shanghai, or did you like it before? Have you ever been before, or is it just all new for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been to China for I've been coming to China for about five years. Uh, I really like China for various reasons. I think one of the reasons is the just fa- fast paced innovation that's happening here. Like China is kind of leapfrogged completely Western mm-hmm. world in like financial and like even in adoption of kind of you know mobile apps across the board. Like people here are way more willing to try new stuff and see how it like benefits them and like try new business models. And so that's been like really interesting to see uh, and kind of really excited to see how this and and the desire for crypto, which is really strong here as well, kind of comes together now in like people trying to build new platforms here, which are like crypto crypto focused. Yeah. How do you feel living there though? Like, does you, is there like any pressure, like, you know, being that it's like a different kind of government regime and 
country? Like, does it feel normal or does it just a little different in some ways? Um, it's pretty normal. I would say, I mean, there's obviously like, there's a political side of this, which, you know, uh, like I would say a separate story, <laughs> but like from perspective of crypto here, crypto is super strong in China, right? I mean, probably everybody knows like most of the miners of, mm-hmm. you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are in China. Uh, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> <true>. not <laughs> pointing any centralization risks there at all. Um, the, I think like the community here is very strong because people, people see this as a kind of as both opportunity and as a tool kind of where maybe they don't have like that in the normal life. Right. Like that's kind of, I'm saying like people here are ready to leapfrog in a way where, you know, in Western world, some things just kind of, they kind of work like, yeah, banks maybe you know, bank wire may be taking a few days, but like, you don't care as much versus here. Like it, maybe that's not, I mean, b- banking is not the problem, but like there's other problems around, kind of uh, how, how, how like value is created, what is the business models are and kind of crypto allows to just like kind of bypass that. And really like the way one person here described it is like crypto is like water. Uh, it doesn't matter what stones you put in, 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 in its route, right. It'll find its way around. And like, I think like kind of people here really, really live in this metaphor. Yeah, it it sounds interesting. I I've always wanted to go to China and kind of see what it's like. So I don't know. Maybe at some point I will. I'm just still not sold on the COVID being completely gone yet. So <laughs> holding back on certain traveling plans, but yeah, maybe in yeah. the future. Um, I want to hear more about Near Protocol, though. I I don't know a whole lot about it, but I hear good things. Um, so tell me, like, what what is it? Like, what's the general overview? What's the nuts and bolts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so super high level, it's a proof of stake uh, layer one, smart contract mm-hmm. blockchain. Um, the core kind of differentiator, core reason how we achieve kind of scale and how we uh, kind of allow and and provide like long-term, you know, with mass adoption ability to maintain like low fees is through sharding. And so what sharding means is processing things in parallel and like scaling up uh, your kind of computation capacity and then like storage capacity. And so this is the same thing that, you know, all the companies in kind of normal web are doing, right? They're not running everything on one computer. They just have, you know, thousands and millions of computers processing things in parallel and uh, kind of using that idea. And like, it's not that actually easy to map it. I mean, Ethereum folks have been talking about sharding for like, many years now there's a lot of kind of in the space conversations and so we have like talked with everyone designed it built it uh like the current version in mainnet runs one shard just because there's not much demand yet but uh, we have kind of you know in testing running this with like multiple shards also like cross shard communication also like technical things are working and really just like now it's more like waiting for demand and making sure there's like all the last knots are fixed um, and then on top of it, we kind of building for the user, right? And so important piece for us was to build an account model that is really flexible. So in normal kind of all of the blockchains in the, like right now, usually it's, you have a pub, you have a private key, which maps to a public key, which maps to like your kind of balance or whatever on, on a blockchain. And this is a really weird model. Like that's not how you people think like mm-hmm. keys are not a thing for normal user. And so what we do is on near is you have a, an account, which is, uh, 
just have a username, right? So it can be like Ilya.near, Brandon.near, and or some mm-hmm. other, some other dot something. And so that is where all your like how much assets you have, what you know NFTs you have, your like username to log in into games, like all the stuff. And then this account can have all kinds of different ways to access it. Uh, it can be controlled by smart contracts. It can be controlled by some access keys. Uh, you can limit some, for example, you can give some application a very limited access to your account to do specific actions. So you can actually, like, it's the same way as when you log in with, like, Google, like, log in with Google into some other app. Like, it kind of gives you this, like, flow. Um, and so we kind of build all that, like, on the protocol and allowing everybody to really easily kind of leverage that. And this solves a lot of like meta transaction problem, kind of allowing like applications to pay for you, having guest accounts, for example, where uh, you can start using applications even if you don't have any uh, assets yet, don't have any near or ether or whatever, right? Like you can start using application, get some value, and then uh, receive some of that value back to yourself, right? So maybe like we have a crowdsourcing platform, actually, you can start, you know, doing some of the tasks and then receives mm-hmm. the money for the tasks and that actually allows you to create an account and start paying for yourself so all that is like really kind of like we designed with that in mind like how do we kind of really easily onboard people how do we make it really easy to turn accounts into companies for example like one of the interesting uh like features is mm-hmm. you as an artist for example you may be creating a lot of nfts you offering them we have this uh, ability to assign ro- royalties where as NFT gets resold, uh, the original author receives part of the reselling value. And this is like killer feature for artists because, you know, they sell for a thousand dollars and then it gets sold for a million dollars and they mm-hmm. not get nothing right now. And so now you have as an artist, you can actually create like lots of this uh, art, receive royalties from it. And then you can actually take this account because it's not mapped to your private key directly and actually sell the account itself with all this kind of royalties on it. And so you can actually turn your account into a business and sell it, right? Same same thing like how, you know, you have a little C, like, but you need to go and register it. Here you just kind of, like, whatever you use for personal, now it turned into business or into DAO, issue the token. Like, all those things kind of come, come like, mm-hmm. uh, really easily. And uh, so that, that's been, like, a really big thing, how, like, we building for users. And then the third part is, like, building for developers, right? So mm-hmm. obviously... It's critical that um, like developers are, you know, one of the most leveraged creators out there. Like they can create something that then, you know, a lot of other people can uh, populate and, and kind of leverage. And so one of the important pieces we believe in is bringing more in external developers. Like this space, like crypto space right now is still very small. There's like tens of thousands of developers still uh, when like, you know, real world has like tens of millions. And so... We went. We built specifically right. to support kind of common languages that developers know already and can start building. And we built a lot of kind of like a little bit changing the logic in such a way that a developer who is coming from Web two is more familiar with how things are structured. And so this has been like a pretty critical piece as well, how to like onboard new developers to to come in into the space. Uh, at the same time, like we're kind of realize, realize that, you know, we do need support for existing stuff for EVM. So we are actually launching EVM support as well. So, so I would say like in general, yeah, a combination of like really scalable infrastructure underneath, like really mm-hmm. scalable processing and kind of consensus, uh, really building for the user 
kind of model and then developer tooling, developer kind of uh, framing to make sure that it's really easy to build. Yeah, that, that is good. How does it differ from Ethereum and from a scaling perspective, I guess? So depends which, like if we're talking about Ethereum 1, I mean, Ethereum 1 doesn't scale, right? Uh, Ethereum mm-hmm. 1 right now has uh, all the rollups, yeah. right? Which are a way to scale pretty much whereas execution happens kind of off-chain and then on-chain you only check in the data and it still has a lot of potential issues with uh, how is it going to work, what is a kind of cross-communication will happen. There is the design for Ethereum 2, which, mm-hmm. I mean, keeps keeps iterating, right? There's still a lot of things in motion. Uh, I mean, we've, we've been, like, we actually have a video review with uh, Ethereum Foundation researcher uh, Justin Drake on how the design of Ethereum 2 at that moment worked. And also we had a video review of him asking us mm-hmm. questions, how our design works and comparing it. <laughs> so not going into too many details, but our focus it being more pragmatic, honestly. And so we, we really want to focus on what developers mm-hmm. want and need now. And so this means like one second blocks kind of uh, really focused on, you know, Kind of getting like this sharding web assembly all those things now done uh, and maybe uh, a little bit um i would say like going a little bit less on decentralization right so ethereum 2 design in general is kind of very decentralized there's a lot of validators but in result it's like way slower to achieve consensus it's way slower to get finality uh, we have like finality in one two seconds we have like kind of all those things already working like kind of as i said sharding is implemented in in, in testing uh, like the mainnet is running for like six months, applications are running, right? That That's kind of main <laughs> main difference. And, and like the difference in approach is really comes from this idea of like, we want to be more pragmatic and really delivers this value to developers now. What what are developers wanting to build on top of Near specifically? Or do you know, like, are there like popular use cases or different popular things to build on it? more specifically? Yeah, for sure. So generally, like right now, if we think from Ethereum perspective, right, Ethereum is a great place for financial, like high value financial operations, right? Because like, even though uh, fees are high, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a lot of values, there's a lot of assets. And so this is this is where Ethereum is like shining right now. At the same time, there's been so many use cases that people envision to use Ethereum for, which like just are impossible now to use Ethereum and so all of them are looking for a new home. <laughs> That's really kind of short answer. More specifically, mm-hmm. I think the, right. the NFT kind of ecosystem, right? So everything from minting NFTs and, and selling them to and like auctioning them to games and kind of interactions between multiple NFTs in various ways. This is what we see really popular as people kind of really empowering these creators to, to start uh, participating in this new economy, right? Uh, so we have like few already applications lo- launched mm-hmm. uh, kind of in that a uh, few like more kind of uh, creative things where you can like draw stuff together with other people and stuff like this. Uh, one of them like, uh, so one, one of the NFT uh, marketplaces that's been live is called Paras and they've been, uh, yeah, been pretty successful growing. Like, I think like t- doubling every month or something on like number of users participating. And uh, I think that the other side is mm-hmm. the with kind of financial operations, like from my perspective, financial always is just an infrastructure. Like financial tooling is really uh, allowing the like 
the people who create, the people who like produce things to really, you know, uh, have uh, have all the infrastructure it needs, right? We need stable coins. We need, you know, people need leverage to be able to kind of create more efficient markets and all those things. And so what we see with financial stuff, people are definitely interested because like, you know, one second blocks and kind of really cheap fees allowed for, to do a lot more kind of uh, interesting, like price discovery and interesting new applications, which may be impossible to do on Ethereum again because of the kind of their, their parameters. Uh, and then like more, I think a little bit longer term is bringing more kind of communities and social aspects of the uh, interactions that I think like are evolving now, especially after Corona, after a year of people being like isolated, like, it, you know, the digitization of communities becoming more, more and more important and creating like economies around this. Uh, I think that this is kind of coming like over time as well. I think we only see like initial sparkles of this. I think like mm-hmm. crypto in general, right, is very like community driven. And so it's kind of shows you like how like oh, some tokens, right. you know, even when there's no product, the community itself kind of creates a token value of the token is the community. And so I think there will be more and more of some of things like that where, you know, uh, communities will come and create like social interactions around their own assets and around, around their own um like values that they create and then turn that into a kind of new economy that then like flows into all the other applications. It, it kind of sounded like you guys have some type of migration process too, for all those, you know, projects and dApps, you know, things built on Ethereum. Is that the case like that they can move somewhat well or seamlessly over to near if they wanted to, to take more advantage of um, its capabilities? So we, we have kind of couple couple things here. One is uh, we've uh, kind of a couple of weeks ago launched uh, Rainbow Bridge. So Rainbow Bridge is is a first trustless way to connect two smart contract blockchains, and so we're connecting near to Ethereum. And so this allows to do okay. like for many who have already issued assets or created NFTs or done something on Ethereum to connect it to kind of near ecosystem and, and the other way around. Like if you created something on near, you can still go into Ethereum ecosystem and list it there, uh, participate there. And so this is very powerful because it's almost like extending Ethereum, right? And, and like allowing near to kind of fill in things that are uh, maybe like too expensive or cannot be done. At the same time, we are launching in a few weeks a uh, EVM support. And so EVM support is pretty much it's one-to-one uh, compatible with what's running right now in Ethereum. And so this is where existing applications can launch kind of uh, right away inside this. And it will like it will work with all the tooling like MetaMasks and all the other tools and like look like it's Ethereum. And so with Bridge and this, you actually have like almost like mm-hmm. full compatibility as in kind of you just move to another like to a layer two, but it runs underneath on inf- near infrastructure. Uh, so we see kind of that as like where people who already have existing applications moving to that and still maintaining the same kind of Ethereum experience. And at the same time, we see people building kind of novel experiences on near itself and linking into the Ethereum ecosystem, into Ethereum assets, uh, kind of to bring them in and, and like create more economy on near. Hey, here's another question. Do you guys have, or is there a marketplace where you can find like near NFTs or they're displayed or created kind of like with, uh, OpenSea does with Ethereum? Is there something similar? 
So right now we have so Paras is one which is shows the Paras uh, kind of cards. So this is uh, um, kind of digital mm -hmm. cards which like are NFTs and like they have really awesome art. And then they there's a like bunch of games that are being built on top of them. Kind of use these cards as like a in-game items. We also have a min base that are launching, which is actually mm -hmm. this application coming from Ethereum, which is a it's like a NFT marketplace factory. So it allows you to create your own marketplace and start minting your own NFTs, right? For example, you want to create like your own, you know, uh, podcast NFTs and you can just like, you know, in few clicks, start start doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think like more kind of NFT marketplace across all of those things probably will be coming like next kind of uh, few months uh, and including I think like with EVM, actually OpenSea itself potentially can uh, can spin up as well. So I think like there will be more kind of of those things coming mm -hmm. in in coming months. And at the same time, you can actually bridge those NFTs into Ethereum to see them in the OpenSea on Ethereum. Where do you where do you guys want to take uh, near going into the future? Like what what niche or direction do you want it to really nail? Because there's so many blockchains out there. There's so many different uh, ways of going about developing in the space. And there's so many that have different focuses and specialities. Um, is there a certain direction that you guys hope to take near, or are you just kind of letting it grow naturally and seeing what happens? So, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, like our, our view is like the mass adoption of, of this will come from creators, right. And like, and kind of from individual mm -hmm. creators, a lot more from individual creators than from, you know, big brands or big companies. Even though that they all play their own role as well. And so, mm -hmm. what we really working toward, right, is supporting this like in in all kinds of ways, um, and kind of creators and their communities, right? In like commu communities of creators, creators and and like mixes of that, right? And so we actually been doing this like for about mm -hmm. I think like last 10, 12 months, where we've been supporting. This creator communities, we've been, you know, working with this sounds marketplaces and been build, building uh, from beginning, like, and then laying out all the pieces that you need to kind of, like, we have a, for example, a decentralized, pretty much, like a org autonomous organization framework which allows to create like, uh, kind of community companies almost, right? Like you can bend together a bunch of creators or maybe maybe business people who will help facilitate some of the kind of creator um, like work and then maybe they will be facilitating you know resale reselling or they'll be facilitating collection like you can use all this like all those ways to kind of bootstrap this economies around like digital artists and digital kind of uh, like folks who want to maybe even create physical art, but, you know, don't have a good way to tap in into some of those networks. So really kind of focused on, on that, on this, I would say like approach. And like, from our perspective, this is where like this creators will then bring all their fans, which then will be the, all the users. Right. So that's kind of where the mass adoption will come. And that's kind of how we are approaching mm -hmm. it. And then developers are just like a part of this creator, uh, you know, team because they actually build for creators. Like all, all of these folks who are building, right? A lot of them are in their head, right? Building either for themselves kind of people or for people who are in kind of like we have like developer musicians, right? Who've been building for 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 other musicians, uh, or like developer artists, like drawers who've mm -hmm. been building for other artists. So this is kind of I think 
is really exciting and like really empowering them to be successful. And uh, with their success, right, we can see like how more people coming into this, like this is already happening on Ethereum, right? Like few, you know, successful NFTs kind of started, like attracted everybody's attention. Now, from our perspective, we need kind of this like the long tail and also maybe like torso, like maybe not, you know, the most famous, like, you know, $60 million, but like people who will be selling like for, you know, tens to hundred thousand. And also like people like we right now have artists from like Philippines and uh, who's selling for like $5, right? They're digital art, but like, you know, it's $5, maybe they issue like 12 copies of this thing. It's like, you know, it's not a bad money in Philippines to, to start with. Right. And so, so this is kind of like creating that right. uh, place and, and like facilitating that. That's been like how we approach this. Have you created anything personally, like any NFTs or anything like that? Uh, I've created some test NFTs, but yeah, <laughs> my, my digital cool. art is not that, not that good. <laughs> I'm waiting for something with, uh, with uh, writing. Oh, I have some fiction that I wrote a, a while ago. <laughs> well, that'd be kind of cool to put on, put as an NFT. I've never thought about that before. Yeah, but let me know if you got an NFT. I'll, I'll, I'll scoop it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to you know, kind of wrap it up and close the podcast, what's the roadmap look like for near uh, the rest of this year in 2021? Do you guys have anything uh, in terms of updates or um, changes to the network or things that you think people should just be aware of? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's actually like a pretty, <laughs> pretty rich roadmap. So I mentioned EVM launch. So that's, that's kind of coming next few weeks. Okay. Uh, kind of and, and like it's not going to be you know everything day one so it will be like few few different stages uh so rainbow bridge like the we launched the basics we launched kind of like developers can build whatever they want now but we're going to launch a few more features kind of on it including making it like actually we just launched making it cheaper already like three times cheaper but uh making it actually more uh, uh like speed it up and, and actually like connect more mm-hmm. liquidity pools like pretty much a lot allowing to to uh, make the user experience a lot better, like faster and everything. And then we have, I mentioned like a DAO infrastructure. So this really allows kind of this communities, people, even projects that want to launch their token, for example, to kind of operate in this like decentralized, like almost like a company, decentralized company, not just kind of, you know, token weighted organization. Um, we have a few more initiatives around just like finance and, and creators in general, right? Really kind of boosting this economy and really kind of incentivizing more and more developers to build for this, for this markets. And so I think like through that, there'll be more and more kind of applications launching uh, on top, which then will in turn kind of become platforms themselves. Yeah. Looking forward to all of it actually, uh, you know, coming out and everything really cool to see how it plays out. I want to make some NFTs on near and play with it and see what happens and who knows, but uh, Ilya, thanks for taking time to come on the podcast and everything. Really appreciate it. And, diving into near and um you know talking about everything you guys are doing and yourself and whatnot it's fun conversation we appreciate it for sure yeah thanks for having me it's been awesome